0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. Some call me the guys guy, but I'm one of many. And guess what? You don't even have to be a guy to be a guys guy. But we have a great show this evening. Our special guest is the author of the book, The Transcendent Mind. Her name is Sunita Patani, and we're going to bring her on in a few minutes. Very excited about, after reading the book, talking to her about her uh, very interesting book, which is about the missing piece in emotional well-being, um, and, uh, kind of a discussion we'll get into about, uh, psychotherapy and, uh, how traditional psychotherapy, um, doesn't necessarily hit all the marks to, uh, provide healing. And Sunita so he has some great ideas in terms of, uh, how we can add to that to really make, uh, healing something that can be manifested and actualized by everybody. But let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, it's Wednesday. Um, May 20th, 2015. Wow, this year's going quickly, and um, I'm so excited to be here today. I had a couple of good things happen today in the world of Guy's Guy, if you will. Um, I I got discovered by a website, datingadvice.com, and for all the work we've done about relationships, I mean, I don't position myself as a dating expert, but because the name of my novel is The Guy's Guy's Guy to Love a Lot, and it is about relationships in a way, but it's basically the story of two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. But the undertone is about love. And um, so when I had a lot of media appearances, people wanted to talk about dating because the name of the book, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, sounds like it's about dating. So that became a very big part of the foundation of the whole Guy's Guy's brand platform, if you will. And um, throughout our, uh, my blog on robertmanny.com posted a lot of, there's always, there's over 240 blog posts um, that we do weekly and um, they're all about anything that has to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. So many of them are about dating and relationships and it's, and it's, it's grown from there into the beyond love to life and the pursuit of happiness. So along with uh, the book uh, now we have Guys Guys Radio, and we've had over 130 guests from the areas of entertainment and writing and metaphysical teachers and authors and relationships and dating experts and and, and more and more and more, and it's all been fantastic. Um, but somehow this website, uh, datingadvice.com, uh, lumped me in with a very nice group, uh, including Men's Health and eHarmony and uh, ask men as to be one of the top 14 uh, dating male dating expert websites uh, of 2015. So I'm kind of excited about that and it's very nice and they're getting the word out on that so hopefully more and more people will check out my weekly blog on life love and the pursuit of happiness. It's also been kind of an auspicious day for me and it ties into our uh, into our guest but I had an MRI today. Not today. Monday, actually, I had the results today. And uh, six months ago, relative to my age, I was probably let make it nine months ago. I was in relatively the best shape of my life, relative to my age, and um, I was feeling fantastic. Yet, I had a couple of bouts, just infrequent bouts of pain on my left side. So I finally, you know, as a as a guy, uh, you know, we don't like to go to the doctors too much. So I finally went in and i got a cat scan and they said sure enough you got a kidney stone but oh by the way you have a growth that we need to remove on each of your kidneys so i went in for 6 months i had 3 months to wait and then in september and november i went in for uh robotic uh robotic surgery on each kidney uh 5 weeks apart and uh it, everything was 100% successful, and they told me like there's a 98% chance you'll never have to deal with this again. There was no follow-up treatment or anything like that. So I've been on the mend for the past six months, and finally I had my my day of good news. By I went in for my MRI, and who the heck likes an MRI? I mean. Uh, i went into the testing place and i saw this big huge donut that somebody had i'm like wow i don't remember it being so big and i saw this woman sitting inside of it laying inside of it and it was like seemed pretty wide and then i got to where my room was and it was just a little you know a little tiny hole and uh, and uh, i'd been trapped in an elevator for like an hour one time uh, after after hours at, a, at an office building and i it made me a little bit squeamish about uh, in closed places until I use some of my hypnosis work to uh, kind of work that through. But still, I wasn't looking forward to MRI. So I had one six months ago or about eight months ago to which uh, helped help the physicians handle my procedure. but then I had to go back and you know you you, you know you go back and I did all the work and the, and, and I think it, it's going to tie into our discussion tonight, but I have done a lot of visualization, meditated every day, uh, proper nutrition, positive imaging, self-acceptance, forgiveness. And I've been, I'm pretty consistent and I'm pretty persistent and I just kept at it. And uh, so I went in for my MRI and I just got the results today and they said all clean. And that's a wonderful thing to hear uh, when you have a little bit of a black cloud and you look out the window just off in the distance because, hey, you know what, you know, but you never really know. So I'm absolutely thrilled. So today's been a fantastic fantastic day uh real quick what else is going on well we've got memorial day weekend coming up i hope everybody it's a little early this year but i hope everybody has plans we've got fantastic weather here in the northeast finally um also on guys guys radio we are now we were selected to for a special uh i'm already a featured host which is great but also we've got selected to be part of a new hi-fi program where the sound quality has been greatly enhanced. And I'm not sure if it's a beta program, whatever, but there's a handful of us uh, hosts who are part of this, and uh, I've heard the show and it sounds fantastic. So this is our second show under the hi-fi, so I hope you enjoy it. You can catch all episodes, all podcasts of Guys Guys Radio on Blog Talk Radio, and also on iTunes. And if you want to call in, if you have a question at any time you want to call in, feel free to. I know a lot of people kind of subscribe and then they listen when they want, but our guest number is 347-945-5834, 347-945-5834. So feel free to contact us. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter if you want. I'm at Robert Manny, Facebook, Robert Manny, author, YouTube, Robert Manny, author, and uh, again, iTunes. Um the guys guys radio so looking forward to hearing from all of you and if you want to just hit me up on facebook as a friend just robert manny m-a-n-n-i uh real quick what else is going on out there well uh three things uh one the david letterman's last show is this evening and he's been doing his thing for the past 33 years i watched a couple of the last couple of shows and they were good i mean he's he broke a lot of new ground and it's probably is time for him to you know let somebody else do it, uh, but he's had a great run, and um, I think he's got the Foo Fighters on tonight. I don't know. I don't know who his guest is, but uh, he's had like a special guest every night. Last night, I fell asleep, but Bob Dylan was on, and um, somebody else, Bill Murray, who I heard was hysterical, and uh, you can catch most of that stuff. Uh, his past episodes, the highlights, are on RollingStone.com. I know has been kind of doing a series on it elsewhere in the world of sports, which a lot of guys, guys are into, um, the New York Knicks, you know, they had the worst record going through the season. And then at the end of the year, we figured, great, you get the number one draft pick. They start winning games and they end up with, uh, the second worst record. And then what happens is they get into the lottery and they actually end up now they have the fourth pick in the draft. So it's just, things couldn't be worse for the Knicks, but that's what happens. I don't know if it's karma about the ownership or whatever, but um, it's just a franchise that's been really troubled for the past uh, 40 years or so. So we hope they can dig themselves out of a hole um, because uh, the fans of New York who support the Knicks are just really incredible. There's no better sports fans than Knicks fans because we've stuck with the team through thick and thin, and there's been a lot of thin in our lifetimes. But um, you know, I go way back where to when you know they won with Willis Reed. And Walt Frazier, and then they won another time. I I think Jerry Lucas was a center then, but they won twice, so that was good. But that was ages and ages ago. So anyhow, but let's talk a little bit about our guest, and we're going to bring her on momentarily. Um, As I was saying, you know, I I had a surprise, a diagnosis of opportunity, if you will. And when you something like that happens in life, you This turned out to me to be a blessing because it made me face the abyss. I am the, I'm a, I'm a, I got married late in life and I also had a child late in life. So I had a little son a year ago. He was one. He just turned two last week and it was like, and then I got this health issue and you never know how you're going to deal with things. But I figured, what can I learn from this? What is this all about? What is this trying to teach me? I never looked at it as a battle because I don't think these things happen in your body as battles. I think they happen in your body as a reaction and your body telling you, you've got it. there's something you're not taking care of properly. And the, my body gave me a wake up call. My body kept, I had a persistent pain in the side, really super painful bouts Um, with this kidney stone. I didn't know what it was, but finally, I went to the doctor and I thanked my body for getting me to the doctor and I thank my body for then I don't know how it did it, but apparently it dissolved the kidney stone and I didn't have to go through the whole super painful passing thing. Um and then it handled the uh two procedures a hundred percent successfully. I mean it they couldn't have gone better. And and so I learned that we we have power. Uh I don't I don't mean like power in a authoritarian way but i mean we can connect with the universal consciousness and god or whoever you want to however you want to express things and we can we can participate in our healing and we can participate in in communicating and respecting our body and and there's a lot of ways to do that and one of the things our guest sunita patani is going to talk about is this whole concept of the transcendent mind and how traditional psychotherapy is kind of missing the mark because it's not integrating things like nutrition and uh, other types of consciousness uh, and oneness that would really help. So I think that her message is at the forefront of how hopefully our scientific community and our uh, medical community will look at health and healthcare. Um, Because one last thing, it's really interesting. I got fantastic care throughout my process, but never once did anybody tell me, how did you get this, even when I asked, or how can you prevent this, or what you should do nutritionally. It was basically, you've got this, and we're gonna cut it out. And they did a great job, and robotic surgery is amazing. That said, uh, you don't really, you're kind of like pawing around in the dark, but um, that's something physical, something that's more psychological might be a little bit different. So let's bring our guest on, Sunita. Batani, right now. I know she's been on hold. Sunita, are you there?
0: I am, Robert. Great to be on the show.
1: Thank you so much. for Thank you so much. Excuse me for that noise, for being on the show. And I think you're calling in from the UK?
0: That's right. Yeah, it's just gone midnight here, actually. It's quarter past 12 in the morning. So, uh, yes, well <laughs> uh, We could
1: have done the show a little bit earlier, but thank you for being so kind no and patient. Problem.
0: No um,
1: problem. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, your book. I mean, I didn't give you a proper lead in. Um, Uh, let's talk a little bit about your background and then what led you to write this book. So why don't you introduce yourself then and forgive me for not giving you a proper intro
0: not at all yeah absolutely i mean um so i'm a psychotherapist and what had basically happened actually robert was when i actually started up practice i realized that a lot of the traditional therapeutic techniques weren't actually working too well um and that's really when i started to read around the topic a little bit more and really expand my horizons a little bit so i came across that quite a common text actually called the course in miracles and um In that book, actually, there was the most profound concept which stated that we were, in fact, part of one consciousness, so that there was one singular consciousness, and that we were all individualized aspects of this singular consciousness. And then I went on to read the um, Hindu ancient spiritual text, the Bhagavad Gita, which um, sort of really shared the same message, really, Mm -hmm. that there was an all-pervading consciousness. So, my next natural question was, well, where can I actually go to validate this? You know, is there any evidence that this actually might be the case? Um, And that's really when I started to look into um, near-death experiences, which at the time I didn't actually realize was actually an academic area of study. So throughout all of the research, um, this picture started to emerge that, you know, it seems that there is this one unifying consciousness, and we're obviously perceived as individual beings. So it's really about bringing those two aspects of us together, really.
1: How does traditional psychotherapy, if you will, how do they how do they uh, not do that, if you will? I mean, the concept of, you know, we're part of the ocean, yet we're an individual drop, uh, I get it, and I completely agree with it. How How is the psychotherapy community, if you will, overlooking that aspect in terms of how they treat clients and patients? Well,
0: I think... In terms of psychotherapy, there are three main models that, you know, and this is very generic, of course, because we, we have little time uh-huh. here tonight. So there are three general models that you look at. You know, you will look at the humanistic approach, which is all about, um, you know, listening, the, the fact that the answer is within. Um, you know and building good client trust relationships then of course you have the psychodynamic approach which is looking at um, you know the the, the uh, Freud's, Freud for well Freud was the father of this this particular part so it's looking at your past and how your past um, you know has sort of shaped your present and then you've of course you have the behavioral side which is looking at actually how your behavior changes and forms with time and how we can you know, form positive positive behavior, so to speak. But I think what traditional psychotherapy does is it's a little bit like what you were saying with, with medicine and Western medicine. You know, you go in, you explore yourself, you build a good relationship, you delve into your past and you look at behavior. But we don't actually stop to question who we are at the very core. And again, when you look at the scientific community, you know, it's the the scientific um, community that we have at the moment is pretty Newtonian based, you know, so cause and effect. Um, but what I what I tend to say to people is, I think we need to go deeper and we really need to question who we are at the very core. If we don't know who we are, how are we actually gonna go on to, to treat ourselves effectively?
1: And that I think is, you know, everybody should really kind of practice that on themselves, I I guess, right? That's a, that's a good, healthy thing for anybody to do. Because when you look out into the great beyond and say, you know, you know, I I always think that, what do we actually know? We don't know who we are and why we're here. Then, then anything's up for grabs. So how, what's the first step in the process of kind of self-awareness?
0: Yeah, and you're totally right in what you're saying, you know, and, you know, the, the first step that I tend to say to people is, I have a, a four, um, a four element process. So the first step is always really understanding who you are and understanding what emotional wounding is. Now, when we look at the question of who you are, I sort of do encourage people to have a real open mind and to really look at, you know, the studies. So the studies in, uh, science quantum physics the studies in parapsychology the studies in the near-death experience um you know uh, community so to speak so i really do encourage people to really look at that and really question that you actually might be more than just a mind and a body you know you may have this soul aspect to you and then so the first element really becomes understanding that first of all and then understanding how we become emotionally wounded how our experiences from the past actually cause emotional wounding within us once we have the idea of who we are how we function then we stand in a better place to actually work on healing ourselves
1: so how can we uh, for the second part of that how can we understand how we get wounded
0: well, really, first of all, it begins with really looking at where the issues are, you know, where your issues are mm-hmm. in life. So what are the patterns that are playing out in your life? What do you find continually tends to come up for you as an issue? Um, you know, looking at also the your relationships, you know, where are your relationships wounded, career, your relationship with money, your relationship with people, you know. So it's really about looking at what life is manifesting on with and for you and then taking it from there again getting a good grounding of where you really are
1: okay excellent now that's two how about uh, what is what's parts three and four in terms of your four-part uh, initial process
0: yeah now actually part two really looks at um what the question we've just looked at at the moment would still come under part one so part two is actually okay. understanding what emotional healing is because quite often you know robert a lot of people come in and they don't really understand what emotional healing is one of the most common things that i see in practice is people coming in with let's say depression or anxiety i want to heal and i want to heal now and how long is this going to take so i tend to say to people look you know healing is a very individual process and generically speaking there are two types of healing that take place so the first type of healing is a specific healing so you could have somebody that comes in with an addiction or depression or anxiety you can heal that particular aspect of them and, you know, they're okay. But the second type of healing, which I believe that everybody is going through all the time, is a deeper healing. That's the sort of healing, Robert, that really shifts you at the very core. You know, it's, um, it's a gradual shift for most people and it's a shift in perception. And what people find is that, you know, when they, when they go a certain, uh, a certain route forward, they can't go back to being the same old person again. Is that making sense?
1: No, it makes perfect sense. I'm thinking about just from uh, my own recent personal experience. I I, th- I thought, oh yeah, great. I got a clean bill of health and everything. And I, I knew I would because I, I think I had put the work in both internally and externally, but I knew that I had to change because if I didn't change, then this could happen again because i was doing something that created that is that kind of what you're talking about that we have to kind of evolve as individuals as 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 part of oneness but as 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 individuals within a physical body vessel that we need to make changes if we're going to be able to properly heal or else it's like just putting a band-aid on
0: absolutely you know you've hit the nail on the head really that even when and you know what what you said is so important because even when you are in a place where things are good and you you know that you're healing and things are moving along really well you have still got to keep your eye on the ball you know at, you yeah. know because how we're living at the moment we're living on a on a very sort of it's, it's it's sort of like a pay as you go system you know it's like mm-hmm. what you're putting in right now is actually what's manifesting a little while little while down so at any ch- at any time uh you know you can choose to to put in something different so it really is looking at and keeping an eye on you know am i really nourishing myself correctly am i nourishing myself emotionally physically um you know so yeah i would completely agree with what you're saying yes
1: now you talk about um Correct me if I'm, get, if I'm get this wrong, but one of the, I think the fourth phase of the healing is that living the change you talk about. So is that part of that where it's not just about, uh, you know, intention and exploration and then relaxation and then changing it's then living the change. Could you, uh, elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's included in the second element, which is really about understanding what emotional healing is. So, you know, there tend to be sort of four levels. And again, this is very generic. It's not it's not necessary that you're going to move from level one, two, three, four in that order. You you know, it, it can be a case if you go one, you go two, you go three and you come back again. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first, the first idea is really the intention and the exploration. So exploring what it is that's going on, on within you. Okay, and what it is uh-huh. that, um, that 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 needs that needs addressing, and then you sort of move through the phases. So then you you have a look at actually, obviously creating the change, and then you have the the, the, the period of time where the healing happens, and then at the end. I always say to people, look, you know, you've got to continue again. It's living the change. So, again, it comes down to just because you've changed doesn't mean it's going to stay like that. You've got to make the conscious decision to actually continue that healing on.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. And so uh, you talk about some of the tools that we need for healing, and I think there's about eight of them. Um could we talk about that a little bit? Um, you start with be ready and be committed, and maybe you can just take it from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are seven tools of emotional healing. Um, and the first tool, quite correctly, is really being willing and, and being committed. This is probably the most important prerequisite that anybody could have before they venture into healing. And I'm sure you'll agree, you know, from your own experience, that if you're not really willing to give it all that you've got, um, or at least, A good portion of what you've got your results are going to reflect that the journey be it physical or emotional it's going to bring up some uncomfortable moments for you when you make the decision to change so being willing and committed is really just stepping back and just really preparing yourself and saying you know whatever comes up it's okay you know it's okay and as long as I'm still here it will make me stronger, you know. So I think that's very, mm-hmm. very important. Um, another very, very important tool there is the tool of forgiveness. And I'm not sure whether you've read about that in there, Robert, but there's a yes.
1: lovely yes, and I... story
0: in there. Yeah, there's a, there's a lovely story about a gentleman named Tom Hudgens who whose sister, at the age of uh, 22, and I think Tom was about nine at the time, was raped and murdered. And some 30 years later, Tom actually decides to meet the perpetrator in prison. Um, And they meet, and, you know, it's a wonderful meeting because there was a lot of healing done within that meeting. And actually the perpetrator um, had become the beacon of light almost for, for other inmates because of the whole experience. So forgiveness is such, such a powerful tool.
1: Yeah. Um. As part of my healing, personal healing process, I actually did a, it took me about a month, but I, every day I would go to this place in my mind's eye, a healing pool where I would greet people who had quote unquote wronged me. And we would kind of look at each other and I talk to them and they talk to me and then we kind of make peace and move on. And it was very very liberating. And it really t- uh, took me a while because I had a lot of people in line, but um, I did a couple people a day and it, it really, it really helped me. And I remind myself of that because I think, you know, when you, when you have anger inside and resentment and all of that, it just eats away at you and you have to, part of the healing process to me is also being able to recognize every, single individual human being as being worthy uh having worthy of love and worthy as if they're part of the god particle whatever as we are then they're on their own journey and they have a role and their role might be uh, on surface a very unpleasant one to for a lot of people but they're they're playing a part in the whole story so we have to forgive them and recognize the godness of them i guess could you absolutely. help me out with that?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think a lot of people have um, really you, – you've put it so beautifully, actually, because a lot of people have quite difficulty, don't they, in, in really internalizing that. And understandably, I guess, you know, if you've really been wronged done by somebody, it can be really difficult to, to take on that renewed perception that we're we're talking about. But you're absolutely right in what you're saying that actually – you know it's the behavior that the person is um, conveying that isn't sort of conducive, but that doesn't mean that the person at the core is a bad person. You know, yes, they're displaying behavior which is not not very nice at all, but it is really about trying to step back and trying to understand where and why that behaviour has has come about in the first place. And more importantly, of course, it's really about the impact isn't it that it's having on you like you're saying that when you are not in a place of forgiveness you're holding on to resentment and you're holding on to possibly frustration and anger and it's causing you damage on the inside as well so forgiveness has many many beautiful facets to it if we can just work on getting our heads around it
1: yeah yeah well said um how about you also talk about uh, acceptance? And I think that's another thing where uh, we're always fighting everything internally and a lot of times externally in our just our societies, the western culture, you know, it's all about competitiveness. Um, so how do we how do we integrate how do we work with acceptance as part of our healing process?
0: I think one of the key things really is just to as you're working with acceptance, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but it's actually really to just stop, breathe, and relax at times. You know, and you're quite right. We live in quite a, a goal-oriented um, society. You know, in the Western world, meeting targets and and things like that. And sometimes, what we actually need to do, Robert, is just to step back and say, you know, what I've done everything I can. Um, you know, life is throwing lemons at me at this point or whatever it may be and I've just got to accept that okay I may not be able to see the bigger picture but this is really just the way it is at the moment it just really helps to release the the tension or the resistance that you may be feeling and of course when it comes to to forgiveness as well that you know are you able to look at another person and you may not necessarily agree with their behavior. You see, acceptance doesn't mean that you've got to accept everything and be okay with it. Acceptance is about saying, okay, you know, I don't don't agree with what you're doing and I don't agree with your behavior, but on the other hand, there's nothing I can do about it either. So I'm going to just choose to accept you as you are, because if I don't, again, I'm going to be causing myself suffering on some level.
1: Right, and that doesn't mean the, you have to. That, that that's going to be your best friend. You you, if you understand that, you can be kind of neutral about it and just go about your your business and not be. I think the the key is. It sounds like is not let exterior circumstances or individuals or energy pull you down. Because if you internalize all of that, then you'll make yourself ill, and that's, um, that's not, that's not going to help anybody. So we have to. You know we have to be careful about protecting our energy uh, how, to, how to, do you have any thoughts about that in terms of what individuals can do so they don't kind of take on all this toxic energy that's floating around out there
0: I think one of the first things and one of the most basic things that I would say to that is to remember just remember that you know you are a person who has full right to live life the way that you want so in other words you see, the, the thing is, when you when you start to give your power away, because a lot of this is about giving power away, mm-hmm. when you start. So when you start to let external circumstances or or things get in the way what effectively you're actually doing is you're giving your power away to that circumstance or that person on the outside so the first thing to remember is that you are empowered and you are only empowered to the extent that you allow yourself to be so it's about making choices that are nourishing you um correctly you know i mean that's on a very pragmatic on a practical level the other thing that you can also do to keep the, um, the toxic energies out is visualization is brilliant. You know, I mean, it's been shown to actually have an effect on, on our physical environment. So first thing in the morning, waking up, visualizing yourself in a bright white light or a golden light, whatever feels right to you, and just, you know, mentally and emotionally protecting yourself and, and asking, um, you know, your higher power, if, if you believe that one exists, um, to, to keep you safe and to keep you protected. Mm hmm.
1: Well, it's certainly uh, I, I could tell you, it certainly helped me. And, uh, you know, if you believe you, you shouldn't be a shrinking violet about it, it should be, you know, part of who you are. And I, I used a lot of uh, internal proclamations, even when I was going in for the MRI, I said to myself, you know, I am word through this fear that I believe will overtake me. I did that before my second robotic procedure. And actually I am word through this MRI machine before I got in there. And when I got into the MRI, MRI machine, which I was a little bit concerned about, I don't like to go into the little tube, but I knew that it was part of the process. And I just, uh, I did a kind of like a violet flame, uh, visualization for 30 minutes and uh, it turned out to be very relaxing, as relative to how relaxing it can be. But I guess my my question about all that is: how do we? What is the role of fear, and the choice that we have to make of fear versus love? How does that play into all of this, or does? Well, it? I think
0: that's yeah. I think that's really what it what it what it comes down to. You know, I mean the thing is with fear you're right you're going to have the emotion of love and you're going to have the emotion of fear and it's about really recognizing recognizing what your thoughts what your feelings and what what your behaviors are saying where are they coming from are they coming from a place of love or are they coming from a place of fear because you know right from when we're when we're born we tend to be born into a society where you know fear is quite prominent right from the education system you know Mm -hmm. and fear has many facets of course you know so it's like i'll always kind of say to people well you know there's anger there's usually fear underlying it fear is lies at the bottom of many many things that we are we are afraid of so to speak so it is about making a choice, and it's about becoming very self-aware and recognizing, you know, what, 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 where is this action actually coming from? What is the root cause? And then, of course, making, making the, um, the, the, the choice to change it. You know, and not all fear is bad too, Robert. I think, you know, that there is a place for fear. And again, it comes back sure. to the idea of acceptance. You know, we look, we're human. We have all the emotions within us and there's a place for each and every one of them. So fear can be useful. I mean, you know, little things like looking after ourselves or being cautious when we're crossing the road, you know, certain aspects mm-hmm. of it, for example, Sometimes it's useful, but if it's not moving you in the right direction in life, then we need to reconsider and re-question where it is that we are and perhaps work on choosing more loving actions for ourselves.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, again what very beautifully stated. I mean, we do live in a society that's fear-driven. I mean, I come from the advertising world, and you know, we we we're all about creating a need and then filling the need. So when you creating a need is basically telling people there's something lacking, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that that creates fear. I'm not good enough, so you sell them a lot of products that they don't really need, um, even though there's a lot of fun products out there. And then you just have to dif- differentiate between different brands and all that. But also when you watch you know, the media, you watch television or online or whatever, there's a lot of a lot of fear-mongering going on there, a lot of negativity, a lot of, you know, you know, we, we, we live this life, our day-to-day lives, and then vicariously we're living through what we see on the screen. What's real? What isn't real? Uh, what's the spin on it? And a lot of it is, uh, you know, fear is a big leverage tool uh, by po- politicians and by world leaders. And um, we, as the masses, are under you know under siege of that all, all the time so i think it's incredibly important that people learn to step back and take in the media but take it in from an arm's length not get sucked into it but look at it and watch it and say okay what are they saying here what can i extract for this and i i, I gotta think that that's probably creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of emotional issues that that people have in modern societies because we're not living a natural way. We could we're where the media is I'm not saying they're doing it on purpose, but if you take in too much media, you are going to create an underpinning of fear internally. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And you know I see that day in, day out, day in, day out, um, you know, off my practice. And it comes in so many different forms you know it comes in the dieting industry which the media will propel it comes with the body image stuff you know d- d- dependent on what what the latest trend is um so many different forms and facets of not being good enough or or you know having um this image of perfection that people are aspiring to to be um so I, I get to see a lot of that robert and you're quite right and it, it, you're right it's about stepping back and discerning okay well where is this useful for me and where is this potentially going to harm me or cause me damage mm-hmm.
1: okay let's let's um uh, thank you uh i'm i know i got a little bit off track there but let's get back to the book who tell us and i i i read the first half of the book and i power read the second half and then i made my notes and i read the notes that i had but I want I want to hear from you and for our audience who did you who did you write this book for and what do you want your readers to get out of this
0: I think that's a really really good question actually maybe asked me that before. <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> um, okay now quite often when people hear that I'm a therapist they will assume that I work only with um, you know neurosis issues of neurosis, so depression, anxiety, stress, that sort of thing. Um, But actually, you know, I think that people generally, society falls into three categories, okay? I think the first category is what you would call the, you know, the psychopathology. So this is looking at the neurosis, the depression, the stress, the anxiety, the psychosis, the schizophrenia, you know, that would all come into that category. The second category would be the normal category. So this is people that don't have any form of, you know, neurosis or psychosis, but On the other hand, they're not really engaging in much positive psychology either. They're just kind of plodding along in life and that's it. You know, this is life. This is the way it is and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And the third category of people then becomes people that, you know, do do take and make the effort to practice positive psychology. And you see the book that I've written, I think, Robert, is actually applicable to all three groups. You know, I mean, obviously there are going to be some people in the first group who, you know, may not be in the right... State of mind to actually be using the tools and techniques so obviously you know it, th- there may be issues there but generally speaking if a person is of sound mind and they're wanting to improve themselves I think it doesn't matter who you are what age you are what it is that you're doing I think ultimately we are all wounded on some levels so to have a better understanding about ourselves is the key therefore I think the book is probably for anybody out there really
1: Mm-hmm. well i have to say you have a very organized mind and i love the way you kind of lay everything out uh because uh, and it builds and, and it leads into it gives you some nice background it all makes perfect sense it's very uh digestible in terms of how you articulate you know the opening of the book in the first few chapters and then it leads into your you know your thinking and uh, your you know the processes if you will and then it has a nice summary to it so congratulations it's a very well written book and i I, I enjoyed it, and I'm going to spend more time with it, but you did a great job. Um oh, thank you. Could we, could we talk a little bit about nutrition? Because one of the things I found fascinating about the book is that you actually added what I think is a very, very important aspect to healing and health that people overlook when it comes to, even if it's a psychological thing, nutrition is so important, particularly nowadays where the food food is under siege, if you will. I mean, I stopped eating, I stopped eating meat about seven years ago and I did it. I just stopped and I, I got sick and then I got better. And then I never thought about eating meat again. And at the time I did it because I thought it would be, I, you know, I'd eaten, I didn't, I had eaten enough meat and I was dating somebody who was a vegetarian. I figured, well, it will be easier. I'll stop. There was no pressure or anything, but I found that over time I became more sensitive to the the plight of the animals and what's going on in the food industry and all the garbage that they they give the animals that we end up ingesting and how important it is to eat proper food organic versus gmos etc cetera, etc cetera. people think it's just a talking point it's not this stuff's going into your body and it will wreak havoc so I, I love the fact that you included a section on nutrition could you talk to us a little bit about that sunita yeah
0: absolutely robert i think One of the things that I found really, really fascinating um, with my journey of discovery, generally speaking, now actually it's interesting because I'm going to veer off a little bit because the the first book, that this is actually my second book, the first book that Mm -hmm. I wrote um, is called My Secret Affair with Chocolate Cake and actually came about because I developed a terrible eating disorder in my mid-20s. Um, you know, and at that time I became very fascinated with, you know, food and, and almost obsessive about nutrition. And what I realized at that time was that a lot of people were giving nutritional advice, which is a good thing, but they weren't teaming it up with any psychological stuff. Or if it was, it would be very much in the background that, okay, well, eat this sort of stuff. And you know what? Just pay attention to your mind and, and this is how it happens. And then, of course, when I, you know, really got into the psychotherapy and I retrained and everything, then I realized on the other side that the psychology stuff really wasn't taking the the nutritional element into, into, into regard. And actually, what I started doing was experimenting and doing a lot of research with how different foods or how nutrition was affecting different people and What I found was that obviously it's very individual because everybody responds to different foods in a different way, you know. Um, But I came across some really, really fascinating stuff. Like I had a client, for example, that came in one time with severe anxiety. She had tried everything. There was no root cause. Um, She tried it all. And so we kept a food diary and very quickly she recognized that white rice would trigger her anxiety, but so when she stopped eating white rice overnight her severe anxiety that they couldn't find a cause for disappeared and i had had similar experiences with um, sugar and anger that's one i've seen a few times actually so um you know some people when they ingest too much sugar it actually has um a, a significant impact on their temperaments so nutrition is I, I, it's not about hard and fast rules i think the only rule that I would say is that look, you know, a little bit of common sense, fresh food, fresh natural foods are going to be better than the processed food, you know, or the fake no. food, so to speak. That is the only base rule that I think I would say, you know, keep an eye on. But aside from that, you know, really pay attention to how your body and your mind is responding to certain foods. So Mm -hmm. maybe keep a food diary for a few days or so. Maybe well will shed a lot of light on what's happening within you biologically as well as psychologically.
1: Uh, That's great advice. Uh, One last question for you. Um, How do you see the role of frequency, if you will, in all of your work? Because to me, uh, you know, everything we want to do as we kind of move along in life is anything we can do to kind of elevate our... Frequency or vibration is is very important and will will help us because, you know, the higher up you can raise it, the more light you get, the, you know, the better off you'll be and the better off you can help, the better way you'll have of helping other, other people also. Um, and a lot of what you're saying in your book to me is about frequency without ever using, I don't know if I saw the word used in the book, but what is your point of view um, yeah. on frequency?
0: I think ultimately everything is frequency. You know, I think, you know, when you break down, it's it's again, looking at it from the scientific perspective, when you come to the quantum physics uh, part of things, you know, when you go subatomic, you're going to find that ultimately everything's energy. So everything is a frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're quite right in saying that, you know, the higher your frequency, I'm guessing that the easier life becomes or the lighter you become, so to speak. Um, but the one thing I will say is that, Um, And I'm very open when I when I say this I think in the recent years There's been a lot of emphasis on Raising your frequency by changing your thinking which actually is correct but I am guessing what my book has done is like you know what what it is Robert actually I'm going to just give you a little bit of my own very very brief personal story actually when I was going through my eating disorder um, and 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 stuff I did a lot of reading around the topic of, um, you know, the law of attraction and frequency and, and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found was that I really tried hard to change my thinking, and I really tried hard to do a lot of the stuff that that we're told to do. And actually, none of it worked. And I was left feeling rather deflated. That okay, well, there's got to be something wrong with me. You know, it's it's not working. <laughs> Um, you know, so, and then it took me a long time to, I think, think a lot of us have been
1: there, but have, go
0: ahead. yeah, you right. know, so I think ultimately what happens over time and the more that I learned about myself, I recognize that, you know, this, this idea of frequency, it's absolutely right. It's absolutely there, but we all have emotional wounding or emotional baggage and it's not, it's not about focusing on that, but it's about working through the inner, the, the denser, you know, part mm-hmm. of that, that we're holding on to, like the resentment or the jealousy right, or right. the anger or whatever it is, it might be really subtle, but it's there, you know. And so what I find is that, you know, again, when you take that journey of personal development and really, really walking that journey of self-awareness, I think that's when your frequency begins to rise. It's not about a quick fix you know uh, that, that mm-hmm. takes place you've got to put the work in and as you put the work in automatically you will feel different your vibration will change or your frequency will change
1: yeah i, th- I agree with you 100 percent. one one thing that i just learned recently is that when you're doing all of this work where visualization and meditation and self you know any type of self-awareness and kind of watching yourself and whatever the one of the keys to to really taking it to the next level is to feel good while you're doing it not just doing it rote where you're just doing the same thing over and over again but actually feeling good while you're doing it does that make sense
0: yeah and i think that's where the main issue is with a lot of people because if you are one of those people that you know underlying you are carrying a lot of baggage it's going to be difficult for you to get that feeling of feeling good because ultimately that's that feeling good is the vibration it is the frequency that's going to it's going to help to change you overall. You know? So if you if you're holding on to a lot of stuff, it's going to be difficult, isn't it, Robert, to get to that feeling good place when you've got this undertone of constant thought or emotion that you've been holding on to for some time. So, yeah, that's right.
1: Well, I'm a fan of Sunita Patani. Great job and fantastic book. And I apologize for not introducing you properly. But um, I was just, I had a lot of stuff happen today, and it's a bad excuse. But I just got my MRI results, and I was really, you know, on cloud nine. So uh, my apologies. But uh,
0: congratulations, by the way, on your
1: MRI as well. That's great news. Thanks. So I would actually uh i would like you to tell our viewers where they can find out more about you about your book where they can get it and also uh invite you if you'd like uh, to come back and talk about your other book about emotional eating because i think that's a really hot topic and i know you wrote it a couple of years ago but that's okay i'm sure the information is still re- very relevant and it's something that a lot of people wrestle with
0: yeah Absolutely. it's still very relevant yeah I guess it's kind of timeless knowledge really isn't it so yep. um, yeah if you want to find out more guys I am on um, Facebook under Sunita Patani that's S-U-N-I-T-A, P-A-T-A-N-I. same Twitter account too and um, website is www.sunitapatani.com um, website will actually it's been down for a couple of days because we've just been updating it. it will be live again in two days time if Robert your guests actually want to go on there in a couple of days they will mm. actually be able to download a, a free three-part audio series on mastering the mind and it's quite a long series so you know it's um, there's some really really good tips tops and bits and pieces in there um so yeah they might want to check that out
1: all right well send me something about that on facebook or whatever and i'll i will get the word out also on that because that sounds like a great offer
0: perfect thank you so much
1: And thank you so much for staying up late for Guys Guys Radio uh, and for being my guest. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I really enjoyed your book, and you seem like a really lovely person, and you're doing really good work. So thanks so much, Sunita. No worries. Likewise, too.
0: You're doing a great job. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right.
1: Cheers. Well, that's our show for this evening, everybody. Uh, I know at the beginning I mentioned I was three or four things that were going on I was going to talk about, but the last thing was that tonight in Los Angeles – my favorite band, at least the Rolling Stones is actually <laughs> launching another tour by he- playing a club show where they're going to, pl- they're going to play the entire sticky fingers album, which is, I think it's a first for them. The album's like 44 years old, but it is a classic. And, uh, that should be a heck of a lot of fun. I think they're going to do one more of these little, uh, ad hoc shows. And then they're starting their, their tour, the zip tour, zip code tour or something it's called. And, uh, That's uh, starting out in San Diego in uh, next week. So anyhow, good luck to them. Keep on rocking. Like, why not? Um, So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, it's uh, Guys Guys Radio. Our guest was Sunita Patani. The name of her book is The Transcendent Mind. And um, remember that uh, to have play safe over Memorial Day. Have a great time. And uh, that, guys, guys, finish first.